الجزيرة بودكاست The first talks aimed at ending the war in Ethiopia's northern Tigray region are underway in South Africa. But fighting has intensified as both sides seek to strengthen their negotiation position. So what are the chances of bringing the conflict to an end? And what does each side hope to gain? I'm Fuli Batibo and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guest now for today's Inside Story from Addis Ababa, Andualem Sisse, a journalist and political commentator from Sundsvall in Sweden, Teklai Gebre Michael, associate editor at Tagat, a website documenting possible war crimes in Tigray, and from Nairobi, William Davidson, senior Ethiopia analyst at the International Crisis Group. Thank you all for joining us uh, on Inside Story today. Let me start with you, Andualem, in Addis Ababa. Looking at the big picture, how hopeful are you today that an end might be in sight to the war in Tigray? Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think the fact that both sides have agreed for this peace talk is uh, an encouraging and uh, it's a positive signal that uh, uh, the people both sides, uh, whether they are Tigrayans or Ethiopians in general, are uh, hoping from these peace talks uh, because it will be uh, it will bring an end to the suffering of the people, not only in the Tigray region but also in the neighboring areas uh, and the whole uh, country in general. So people are hoping that this will be uh, an end to uh, to the suffering of the people mm. uh, who are uh, who have been going through very uh, severe uh, challenges. And Walim, what are the parties? discussing precisely in South Africa? Uh, in my opinion, the first uh, issue would be about uh, ceasefire and uh, 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 probably the demand by, from the government side would be, in, I imagine that uh, uh, they want the TPLF to put arms down and uh, talk. And on the other side, the TPLF may demand to uh, uh, be erased from the terrorist list and uh, to get some amnesty for its leaders. Uh, these are the priorities, I think, on the, on the desk uh, before they go into the detail of uh, what will happen mm. after that, uh, uh, what will be the fate of TPLF and mm. what will be the uh, region's uh, administration and right. how it should uh, uh, go into normal transition. And all those issues will be the next step, in my opinion. A number of issues on the table, no doubt. Teklai in Sweden, if I can come to you, looking at the big picture, Andualim says he's optimistic because the two sides are finally talking. What are the chances, do you think, of bringing this conflict to an end, to an immediate stop? Do you think that we might see some, some genuine progress in South Africa? Thank you, um, Foley, for having me on. Um, I'm afraid I don't share in, in Andalim's optimism. Um, and the reason for my pessimism um, is the behavior of the ATP government. Um, let me start by reminding you a statement that they issued uh, one day before the talks began. The ATP government said that the talks were an opportunity to consolidate, and that's their word, to consolidate. Uh, military, supposed military gains that they had made over the previous couple of days in the joint operations with Eritrean um, forces, or what Eritrean commanders basically um, commanding Ethiopian forces. They have made some incursions, uh, partly because the Tigrayan forces had retreated from urban areas to avoid, to avoid urban um, warfare. And the Ethiopian government seems to believe that the final solution is going to come when they control 
the capital city of Tigray, uh, Matale. And indeed, that was the assumption, actually, when they uh, set up the talks. The assumption was that by the time the talks um, would begin, they would have controlled Matale and that they would have that would have put them in a position to demand that the Tigrayans totally surrender. And when that uh, became um, when it became clear that that wasn't possible, then they found themselves in a very, very awkward um, situation now. And actually now in the negotiations in, in South Africa, mm. um, there has been uh, rumors that the, the people representing Ethiopian government couldn't actually commit to anything because they didn't think that they would find themselves in the situation. So I don't expect anything positive is going to come. Mm. I, it, the Ethiopian government has always been clear that the thing that it wants to get from the negotiations is to lessen the pressure from the international community, the enormous pressure, and for them to release uh, funds that they have been withholding because um, they have been demanding the IMF and the World Bank that they, the Ethiopian government should stop war okay. before it could claim uh, benefits. So I am very, very pessimistic about any um, outcome from the talks. William Davison in Nairobi, your thoughts. Is there today enough trust between the two parties that could lead to progress on the substantive issues? I think... Perhaps um, what we are looking for um, realistically um, from these talks is a cessation of hostilities agreement um, that would be renewing um, the agreement that was in place uh, this year between um, the federal and, and, and Tigray governments. Um, and I think what we should recognize is that um, these are uh, important negotiations because they represent the beginning of a formal African Union internationally supported process. Um, and therefore, they probably in the long run um, will be the way that this conflict is resolved. And they're definitely the way that it should be resolved. But I do think we have a rather long way to go. Mm. Um, as your other guests have made clear, um, I think the issue is, um, under what terms could we have a cessation of hostilities? Currently, we have active military confrontations inside Tigray with the Ethiopian Federal Army supported by the Eritrean Army, attempting to establish control over all federal facilities, as stated by Addis Ababa. Mm. Um, now, whilst the Tigray delegation has said that they do want a cessation of hostilities, they have also said that they want Eritrea's military to withdraw from Tigray. And it is not clear that the Tigray government and forces would agree to a cessation of hostilities um, if the Federal Army keeps pushing forward with its Eritrean allies right. and tries to take complete control William, of Tigray. Who would, you say would represent... who would you say is in the stronger position right now? Um, the strongest position militarily? Both militarily and at the negotiations in South Africa. What we know about the military situation is that the fighting has been going on since the 24th of August. Um, over the last um, two weeks, as Teklai was describing, um, the Tigray forces have retreated from some urban areas. The Eritrean and Ethiopian militaries have pushed further into Tigray. Um, we've also heard in the last few days about considerable continued resistance from the Tigray forces, particularly around uh, the crossroads town of Adwa. Um, so it seems to be a rather mixed situation, although undoubtedly there was some momentum on the Ethiopian and Eritrean side um, over the last um, couple of weeks. Right. Let me come back to you, Andualim, in Addis. What do we know is happening right now in and around Tigray? What's the extent of what we know? Because, of course, it's been very difficult to get information from the region. Uh, the federal government, prior to the talks, had said that it would restore telecommunications services across Tigray. Did, did they take that action? 
did they restore services? Is more aid going into the region uh, to alleviate the, the humanitarian situation there? Uh, yes, uh, we also follow those reports from the government side and uh, uh, we have seen some pictures uh, restoring electricity and delivering food on uh, video on social medias on the areas where uh, uh, now the ENDF or the Ethiopian National Defense Force has uh, taken control. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have seen those deliveries uh, uh, being done by the government. And uh, uh, when we see on the ground what's happening, as William said, uh, the war is more, uh, the Ethiopian National Defense Force is more advancing into the different regions of uh, Tigray. And now uh, we heard that it is uh, surrounding Mekele and uh, uh, the assumption by many of the supporters of the Ethiopian government is that uh, Mekele will fall under the Ethiopian National Defense Force probably before Sunday, uh, before the conclusion of the first round of the talk. So this is what is uh, being uh, uh, observed in the, on the ground. Uh, Tekle, what, what do you think is happening on the ground? Because the Tigrayan position had been that they were not willing to sit and negotiate, negotiate with the, the Addis government unless essential services to the region were restored. Has that happened as far as you know? Well, no, that hasn't happened. Um, and the reason is because starvation remains an efficient policy of, of Ethiopia. And they are not ashamed to state that actually on, on their local media. They say that um, starvation remains a policy and that the way to achieve victory in Tigray is by making the people suffer so that they could submit uh, to the federal order. So uh, Andalim is completely wrong uh, when he said that services has resumed in some parts. Of course, the government has been doing some sort of propaganda to say that in areas that it controlled, it has resumed services. But that simply is a lie. Not only has um, services been cut off totally from Tigray, the government has also actually banned um, humanitarian organizations from flying to Tigray to deliver even basic medicine, never mind uh, luxury um, items like food. And, and food in Tigray now is, is a luxury. Mm. So nothing has happened in, in the way of um, resumption of services. And the reason the Tigrayan government um, has sent delegates to, to South Africa is to literally uh, beg the international community to push, to urge the Ethiopian government to relent on its total blockade uh, so that at the very least food could um, start to, to trickle in. But I just want to emphasize that Andalim is completely wrong when he well, said... let's um, allow Andalim to respond. Andalim, your, your answer to that. I think uh, my friend is very much far from the area and he seems to be more uh, sympathizer of TPLF and... Uh, I just want to be uh, to talk about uh, to be as an independent and probably as an Ethiopian, uh, which can uh, feel the suffering of both any anyone who's living my, in Tigray or in anywhere family, else. My, my so, father, in my opinion, my father, there is no reason. There is no reason. There is no reason why the federal government will not deliver if there is available aid in place. Why they are not delivering point, it point, uh, as, as long as they freed those areas and they control those areas. Okay, Previously, because the area was controlled by TPLF, they may have challenges to deliver those aid. But now, if they control the area and if there point. is aid available, why do they not deliver? Okay. It doesn't make sense, uh, in my opinion. Tekle, I'll allow you to respond quickly before logical. I bring back William into the conversation. Tekle, quickly, your response, right. please. My mother, my mother and my father live in an area supposedly freed by the Ethiopian government. And I haven't been able to speak to them for two years. So that just gives you what is happening in Tigray. So what he's saying is a complete lie. Okay.
William, I'm going to bring you back into the conversation to, to help us uh, expand this and, and, and try to understand how you know, the, the warring parties in, each, in Ethiopia today can reach a settlement. And uh, as uh, Tekle alluded to there, we're not just talking about the TPLF and the Ethiopian government. There are other actors involved in this conflict. Eritrea, we know, has sent troops in to help uh, fight uh, alongside the, the Ethiopian government forces. There are, of course, the, the, the Oromo uh, liberation uh, uh, forces in uh, the Oromo region as well, which is also putting pressure on the Addis government. Is there a settlement today, William, that can satisfy all the parties involved in this conflict, whether it's the federal government, the Tigray government, Amhara nationalists, Eritrea government? There's certainly no um, immediate prospect of a settlement. And indeed, the, you know, the problem in Ethiopia and with Eritrea is that some of these differences almost seem irreconcilable. Um, but it is absolutely right to highlight the role of Eritrea in the conflict. Um, we also have a situation where um, elements from Amhara region, neighboring Tigray, they forcefully seized um, Western Tigray mm -hmm. um, and still control it. Um, so that will be another very difficult issue to resolve as Tigray demands its return, including the return of the people. Um, this is you know, a very uh, difficult situation. Okay. I think if progress is going to be made, it's going to be incremental. And that is why the mediators will be focusing on first getting at least a cessation of hostilities um, between the federal and the Tigray governments, and then moving on from there to address the issue of, of Eritrea. Right. Um, and, and do you think, and, and speaking of Eritrea, well. William, uh, speaking of Eritrea, do you think that the president of Eritrea, Isaiah Sanfawarki, will accept any deal that would see the, the Tigrayan leadership remain in place? Um, the understanding, the, the, the general understanding of the Eritrean position is that they are um, involved in this conflict so heavily um, to see the complete eradication um, of the TPLF as a political force. Um, and so that is, you know, essentially means removing the leadership and ensuring that they no, can no longer hold power um, in Tigray and that Tigray can no longer be a threat to Eritrea. So really, at the moment, there is no sign that that Eritrean leadership is interested in, right. in a negotiated settlement. They are pursuing a military solution. And, and quickly, you know, the relationship between Abiy Ahmed and, and Isaiah Zafawerki has been a complicated one. Who's leading who there, you think? I think that is an important question. Um, undoubtedly, they have a common purpose, a common enemy um, in, the, in the TPLF. Um, also, at times, there has been signs of strain in the relationship. It is assumed that President Isaias um, was not happy with Prime Minister Abiy's efforts to start a peace process and strike a ceasefire. There was also the potential um, for rivalry in terms of regional leadership in the years ahead. Um, so whilst they have been allied during this war, there certainly is some tension developing between Asmara and Addis Ababa and their leaders. All right. Andwale Minadis, let me come back to you now. What do you see today as the biggest challenge to these peace talks? Can Abiy Ahmed and the TPLF leadership be brought back together, in your opinion? Uh, I think uh, it all uh, uh, depends on the intent of their uh, meeting. Because uh, are they forced to sit for this meeting, both sides? I mean, the Ethiopian government and the TPLF. Are they forced by a third party to sit for this peace talk, or are they uh, forced to resolve the suffering of their people? Uh, that is a major question that I should answer. If they think that uh, they, they are, if uh, they are forced, like if the Ethiopian government is forced to sit for peace talks while it is advancing to Mekele to capture the capital, uh, then uh, it may not make sense for them to 
make a deal quickly to uh, for the ceasefire. Likewise, if the TPLF thinks that uh, they have come to this table because they are losing uh, cities and towns, uh, then this also does not make uh, a solution for this. We don't get solution from this talk, peace talk mm. uh, at the end of the day. So it all depends on the intent of their, um, their motive. That's why they went there. Is it because of the influence of US and the UN or is it because of the suffering of their people? Uh, that's the major question at play, in my opinion. All right, Tekla, your, your thoughts. What's the solution, and can ABA and TPLF reconcile? Well, there, there is only one thing that has, that has never been tried um, fully in terms of solution. Um, everything has been tried and everything has failed. Appeasement has been tried, uh, threatening with sanctions without actually sanctioning uh, has been tried. But there is one thing that the international community hasn't tried, mm. and that is to actually sanction Ethiopia, to impose arms embargo, and to sanction Eritrea as well, and to support the Tigray Defence Forces with weapons and other ammunition, so that they could be able, they could be they could defend um, Tigray and indeed Ethiopia, because Ethiopia now is under the throes of um, Eritrea. So I think the, the solution to any serious thinker, to any serious observer of Ethiopia and of the war on Tigray, has been very very clear, and that is to support the Tigray Defence Forces. So okay. that is the, the the solution. But in terms of the talks, if you um, if you give me one minute. Um, and Dalim said that the Ethiopian Defence Forces and the Eritrean, actually it's the Eritrean commanders using Ethiopian troops as, as, folder, as cannon folders. That's what's happening. Uh, the idea that they are advancing to Matala is a myth. They have been repulsed, even from far away uh, places. So that's not happening. It was a myth that was used by the Ethiopian regime to galvanize Ethiopians to support it and also to make the international community believe that military victory was next door so that they would think it had upper hand in the negotiations. But it's a complete myth, and it's just a lie that uh, people like Andualim are trying to uh, perpetuate. Um, okay, thank let's you. allow Andualim to respond. And also, I'd like to hear your thoughts about what uh, Tekelis, Tekle said about, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the international community sanctioning the Ethiopian government and sanctioning okay. Eritrea as well. You, w yeah. What do you make of that? I think uh, the, your guest has uh, some uh, bias uh, about the solution. Uh, you cannot solve the solution by arming uh, like, did, you, did the U.S. save the Ukraine from uh, being attacked by the Russians for, by supplying weapons? So you are telling the same thing to happen uh, in, in, in the Tigray region. When you supply arms, that, that means you are allowing more suffering because you are sitting in Sweden and you are not feeling any of the suffering of the people. You are only serving the you are serving only the purpose of those who supply the weapons, who have their own political agenda and geopolitical interest in the region, and who are using uh, TPLF as their Trojan horse. So you have no clue, my friend. What are you talking? You cannot solve by Ukraine, Ukraine, uh, people and Ukraine by has been able to, allowing more days. Ukraine has been able to. I'm sorry to hear from Ukraine uh, has been able to such defend a person. Ukraine has been such kind of I statement. It's very quickly, uh, shameful poorly, in, in terms of opinion. Ukraine. Go ahead. It's not a solution at all. Ukraine has been able to. Ukraine has been able to defend itself partly because it has received Western support. And that is exactly what should happen in Tigray. And actually, there should be more support to Tigray because the suffering in Tigray is much, much worse than the suffering in, in Ukraine. And I don't understand why the international community can't think of solutions similar to the ones uh, being uh, applied in Ukraine. All right, let's ask William in Nairobi. William, what can foreign diplomats involved in these talks do? What can an important element be that the international community can bring to the table right now? 
I think they're doing the right thing finally in terms of a more concerted, more focused, more high-level um, international response, this absolutely devastating war. We've, put, we've seen possibly tens of thousands of combatants die in the fighting in the last two months. That's in, in addition to the hundreds of thousands that have been killed, partly as a result of the government's blockade, the federal government's blockade that it's enacted on Tigray during this war. Um, so the, the focus on negotiations is correct, um, and there should be more forceful action taken. Um, if any of the uh, belligerents here continue to uh, use uh, starvation as a weapon of war, if they continue to target civilians, and if they continue to prolong this conflict. But ultimately, what is needed is for all of the Ethiopian and Eritrean actors to understand that there is no military solution here. We are only going to see further suffering. Um, and then no, and no matter how difficult um, and how entrenched the differences are, the way out of this is to begin to try and negotiate them around the negotiating table rather than on the battlefield. Gentlemen, thank you very much for a very lively and interesting discussion. Andualem Sisse in Addis, Tekleger Michael in Sweden and William Davidson in Nairobi. Thank you very much for being with us. That's it for this Inside Story podcast. The episode was produced by Mohamed Elaishi, Nihar Alabaidi, Laurent Peter, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Sasha Andreevich. The program was edited by Sarun Murali, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Friday.